needed that this morning. It's the noisiest stand in all of history. It's also crooked. I'm going to do it. That's, that's an accident waiting to happen right there. I'm going to tear something up. Man, uh, I am always excited to, to be before you guys, um, but I'm going to be honest with you. I have not felt well all weekend. Um, woke up last night with a fever. That's why I hadn't been hugging anybody this morning. I felt cold um, towards you, so I apologize for that, but I certainly don't want to, to spread that uh, to anybody else and, and just be praying for our family. Bethany's got chemo tomorrow, and so... Um, we cannot, <laughs> we cannot have the sickness in our household. So uh, join me in praying today for our family that God will protect us from that. Um, man, that was such a good set. Um, we're going we're gonna to make a transition as a body. Glenn and I met Tuesday and had lunch together. And we talked about how we're in the book of Acts, which we've been studying. If you guys have been paying attention, we've been in the book of Acts. Um, and we've been talking about a community that blesses. So we've been looking at the early church and looking to see what the church did and how it functioned and how, what God is calling us to be in terms of a community that blesses uh, those that are around us. And we're going to see a transition in the book of Acts now. We've been talking about Paul since the stoning of Stephen and looking at Paul's transition from uh, a persecutor of a faith to a man that is, is absolutely blown away with the reality of who Jesus is and, and Mickey... Y'all got to quit, man. This is just, I, <laughs> I've always wanted to do that to Mickey. I don't know why. All right, so, so we, see, we see Paul and, and, and his growth. And, and when we left him a uh, week before last, he's in the synagogue back where he was persecuting Stephen. And he's proclaiming the gospel, okay? We're going to make a transition in the book of Acts. And you're also going to see us as a church make a transition to going back to looking at, at Peter. Okay, um, so I want to I want to remind all of us kind of our progression as a church over the last several years. We've talked a lot about grace. Um, we talk about abiding nearly every Sunday. We spent all of last year, most of last year, looking at the person of Jesus. So we can understand who he was and and what it was that he was about, learning his character, so that we can take that upon us. We've spent this entire year so far talking about what it means to be a community that blesses, to begin with prayer, to listen, to eat with them, to serve them, and to share the gospel as the Spirit leaves. And so we're going to move into today, um, we're going to talk about being a community that multiplies, okay? Don't panic yet, um, just hang in there with me because I know um, where your brain may go as we, as we talk about that. But God is making it very clear, especially in the last couple of weeks, that, that His goal is not for us to simply stay in this body and just bless the people around us, but um, I want to remind you that, that if you'll remember, our call as a gathering place church is to be a church that plants other churches. That's in our DNA. It's what God said to us that we were going to be in the very beginning, and so that's where we're, we're going to head as we follow the Holy Spirit, okay? But God is going is to make that transition in our lives on his own. He's not asking us to go out and, and do anything in particular except to just abide and to obey. Okay, So I'm excited to see what the Lord's going to do within us through the rest of this year. Uh, Glenn shared with us after he came back from the Right Now conference that one of the things that the Holy Spirit really impressed upon him is the only thing that we really have to share are our stories. 
right? The experiences that we have when walking with God and the Holy Spirit. And, and we need to be sharing fresh stories. I was thinking about this this week when I was preparing, and, and old stories are about as good as stale potato chips, right? They're, I'm not saying that the story's not valid anymore, but if we're always only leaning on these few good experiences that we had with God, it tells us a couple of things. Number one, that we're not actively abiding. As you abide, the Spirit is moving. Part of that cycle is God-exclusive activity, and that's where those stories come from. Where We can say to the people that are doing life with us, man, look what God just did. Those are the stories that we're talking about. So if, just use that as a gauge in your own life. If you don't have any fresh stories, it may be that you're struggling with abiding, and, and we can talk about that. Okay? So we're going we're gonna to look today at what God is doing. Okay? He's, there's something really interesting about as we abide that we see what God is doing in the moment. Okay, we, we get to experience the Holy Spirit as he's moving, as he's working right now. We're going to look at, at Peter today, and we're going to see that Peter is just following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Moment by moment, abiding in him, and, and the Holy Spirit does what only the Holy Spirit can do. Okay, so let's dig in. We're going to start today in Acts chapter 9, verse 31, and then we're going to kind of progress forward from there. So starting in verse 31, it says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So as I was studying this week, this, man, this verse just really jumped out at me that, that this is what God's about to do with us and, and in our body. Okay? So this passage is, is in its prior verses, is, is Paul in the synagogue. He's sharing the gospel as proof of his conversion. And because of his testimony, it was obvious that the Holy Spirit was working in his life. And if you remember, everybody was kind of standoffish at first because here's the guy that, that, that held the coats and, and condoned the, the stoning of Stephen. And so everybody's really nervous. But as he shared his story, as he shared the testimony from his life of what God had done in him, it encourages the church. Okay? And this is not new information for you guys, but as we share our stories, it benefits non-believers, but it also benefits the church. Okay? It, it gives it strength and greater confidence to move forward. And when you share what God's doing in your life, within your life group or within the context of the church overall, it helps the rest of us. It's proof that God's activity is real and that it's moving um, and that God is faithful to do what he says he's going to do. And let's be honest. Sometimes God calls us to do things that are a little outside of the box, right? And, and when that happens, we need the encouragement of the body to say, hey, it's okay, right? We need stories of other people that God has called to do crazy things and then seeing God do what God does that gives us the confidence to say, okay, this is, this is a little strange, God. This is outside of my cultural context, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey. I'm going to step out in faith. And then when we do, we got a new story. we got a fresh look. Pick it up in verse 32. It says, Now as Peter went here and there among them, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Ananias, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Ananias, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Okay, now it says, as Peter went from here to there. This, this statement shows the intensity and the ceaselessness of Peter's ministry. All right, Since the murder of Stephen, remember the church was scattered. Everybody went all over the place, out of fear. But Peter has been on the move. He didn't go somewhere and hide. He didn't go find a place where he could kind of, uh, you know, get settled in and, and start a church. He moved. As the Holy Spirit led, he went from town to town. 
And as a result of following the guidance of the Holy Spirit, as he's daily abiding, he's in the moment with God, God's leading him, God puts him right where he needs to be. All right? So God leads Peter to Lydda and it brings him to a man who'd been paralyzed for eight years. So, so let's talk about this for a minute. You might be thinking, Peter's an apostle. Of course he's got it, right? He's walked with Jesus. He knows the Holy Spirit better than I do. Okay? But you know what was special about Peter? Nothing. There was nothing inherently special about the person of Peter. Okay? He was quick-tempered. He's rough around the edges. Um, but... He was determined to follow the Holy Spirit. I, I went back. Let's look real quick. We're going to read this briefly um, or quickly. It won't be brief, but it, I'll try to make it quick. This is chapter 21 out of uh, John, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. John chapter 21. This is the story of Peter after Jesus appears to them on the beach. and says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got in a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer, he put on his outer garment, for it was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, about a about hundred yards off. And when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. So Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew that it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed and the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he knew, um, because he said this a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he had said to show the kind of death that was glorify the Father. And after saying these things, he said, follow me. I share this passage because I wanted you to remember the kind of guy that Peter was. He's a lot like you and I are. He, he had this experience with God. It's amazing. Then he sees Jesus crucified. He backs away because he's scared. He denies him. We see over and over embarrassment and failure in Peter's life, a failure to, to follow through with the call that God had for him. And, and just like we do often, when things go nuts, we go back to what we know. Jesus went, or Peter went back to fishing because it's what he knew. That was his trade. That's what he, was supposed, that's what he had grown up doing. And we do the same thing as we, are, as we slip out of the abiding cycle from times and then we get embarrassed about 
what's going on in our lives, we fall back into our old routines, right? I also want you to see what's driving Peter's ministry. I want you to understand that, that we're a lot like Peter and that we have failures. We get embarrassed just like he does. But what's driving Peter's ministry is his love for the Father. Even though he has these past failures, we see that, that his true love will propel him forward to share the gospel. Jesus is changing his perspective on what should be important in his life. And Peter felt like a failure because he had denied Christ, and he was. But Jesus redeemed that failure, that part of his life where he felt like he had, had let him down the most. And he uses that to teach him. And he does the same thing in our lives. Those areas of our lives where we feel like the biggest failures, like we just, I can't believe I did that. Jesus takes those times, he takes those failures, he takes those embarrassments, and he redeems them and he makes us better people for it. Now, Peter has a new story to share. Uh, to share. He has a new experience with the Lord that gives him confidence on what he's supposed to do. He has this experience with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. I want to ask you a question and discuss this in life group. Do you ever wonder why you don't have more stories to share? I want you to think about that, okay? I know in our life group, I can speak only to ours because that's the one I go to, is we offer times for that. And sometimes people have stories and sometimes they don't. And sometimes maybe they're not willing to share them. And, and I understand that. A lot of, we have a lot of introverts in my group, okay? And that's, that's okay. But I want you to think about how many stories do you have? Because if you consider if we're abiding every day, we should be sharing a lot more stories maybe than we are. And, and I understand sometimes that we don't share those things because we don't want to feel like we're being boastful. And I want to just nip that in the bud. When you share a story about something that God's done in your life, that is not boastful. It is not you touting yourself and saying, look how spiritual I am. That is our directive from God is to share those stories. I know I feel that sometimes, and that's the enemy. Saying, no, well, you talk enough. They don't need to hear from you again. No. Share the stories. Tell your life group. Tell the church. Tell your friends what God is doing in your life. That's our directive. And that is how people are encouraged. That's how they grow. Okay? I want to share with you guys one of the stories um, in a minute, but I'll, I want to share this with you. Bill, this is for you. Bill gave me a commentary series the other day by a guy named John MacArthur. I read it. It was good. Um, and it, John MacArthur says this. He says, just being wholeheartedly active in ministry places us in strategic opportunities. Okay, I want you to consider this for a moment. Think about that. Just being wholeheartedly active in ministry places us in strategic opportunities. So let me qualify this for us. What he's pointing out is that when we are abiding, we are more aware of what God is doing and therefore are more active in ministry. That makes sense, right? It's kind of a no-brainer. When we're actively abiding in Christ, when we are making an effort day in, day out, moment by moment, to be aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing, we're going to have more opportunities to be in ministry because we're seeing what he's doing. Let me, uh, and I'm going to just be personal with you guys. Here's what happens with me a lot of times, particularly in, in those big moments where you've got a big decision to make and it's stressful and you're, you're asking the Lord and then he answers you and then you see God exclusive activity and you're worn out, right? That's me. It just, man, I just get so pumped up with the adrenaline and the adrenaline goes and I just want to sit down on the couch, pull out my phone, see what's up on Facebook, right? But what happens is that's me exiting out of the abiding cycle. Instead of going right back in and saying, okay, God, what's next? I get this deserved rest that I feel like I need. Okay? But God wants us to be in moment by moment. When one thing ends, go right to the next. Okay, God, what's next? Okay? What he's pointing out here is that we've got to stay in the cycle. And by staying in the cycle, we're going to have more opportunities to, to 
let the Holy Spirit use us in other people's lives because we're watching, we're paying attention to what God's doing, okay? That's what is happening in this story with Peter. He goes to Lydda because the Holy Spirit is leading him there. And when he gets there, the Holy Spirit points out this man that's been paralyzed for eight years, okay? When Peter's moving, I want to I be real clear about something. Peter's not moving out of busyness, okay? And when we're talking about following the Holy Spirit, abiding moment by moment, I'm not talking about keeping yourself busy. I'm talking about actively asking the Holy Spirit, what do I do now? And then do that thing. Peter's not moving from city to city because he's scared. Peter's not moving from city to city because somebody gave him a plan of what to do. Peter's moving here and there because he's following the direction of the Holy Spirit, okay? This is obedience, okay? Followed up by asking what's next and then immediately obeying, okay? So let me give you an example of what that looks like. So this week, um, I'm prepping to preach, okay? So I have my quiet time with the Lord, and then, and then I begin to read passages and commentaries and stuff to try to get my mind wrapped around where the Lord wants us to be on Sunday morning, okay? So Wednesday morning, uh, Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning, were, for me, I was, that was time to prepare for this, okay? But I also know that I have a trip scheduled on Wednesday where I'm going to have about five hours of uninterrupted time with one of my coworkers. We have to go to Ruston, Okay? I don't know where she is in terms of her relationship with God. I don't know if there, if there is any, even, any religious background. And so as I'm spending time with the Lord, I just said, okay, God, I'm going to be with, with her for five hours, just direct the conversation. If, if you want me to talk to, to her about you, about gospel, about grace, whatever, I'm going to wait for you to lead. Just if, if she's ready, you make it happen, and I'll, and I'll pay attention, okay? So Wednesday morning, we get in the truck, and we take off, Okay. We, we had a lot of great conversations through the day. We talked about a lot of different things that both of us have in common that we enjoy. She's got three kids. We often, it's not uncommon for her to come off and be like, how do you do this with five kids? These three are killing me. And I'm like, They're, mine are killing me too. It's just, it's just part of the deal, okay? So we had a ton of great conversations. And in the middle of a, I don't even remember what we are talking about, but it was so random, just out of nowhere, she goes, so uh, where do you go to church at? Okay, that was the Holy Spirit putting his foot in the door and saying, all right, come on in. It's time. Okay, so we got to spend about an hour, and, and she grew up in Catholicism, and so we talked about grace, and we talked about what it means to have a personal, direct relationship with the Lord, that you don't have to go through a mediator in order to talk to, to God and the Holy Spirit, and, and we had an incredible conversation. She had a ton of questions, and I answered her questions to the, to the best of my ability and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what the result of that conversation is going to be, but we had a really, really good one. It was one of those when, when you got out, you're like, wow, God, that was kind of cool, you know? And so we talked for about an hour, and then the conversation moved on to something else, and that was great, okay? In verse 34, it says, And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed, and he immediately rose. Look, Peter knew exactly where the power was coming from. The power that was going to be used to heal Ananias, was it coming from Peter? No. It's coming through the Holy Spirit. And that's why he says when, when he's talking to him, he doesn't say, I heal you, rise and go. He said, Jesus Christ heals you. He did that for two reasons. Number one, he wants Ananias to understand where the power is coming from. But number two, he wants the people that are around to understand where that power is coming from. Okay? So this guy, Ananias, I, I just thought this was, this was neat. He'd been paralyzed for eight years, and it says he immediately got up. 
and followed him. There was no uh, lag time. He said, get up, let's go. And Ananias pops up. And that, to me, shows the, the true power of the Holy Spirit that, boom, right? Because, I mean, you guys think about it. How many have ever, like, been sick and been in the bed for a week, and you get up, and all your muscles are sore and don't work? Imagine if you couldn't move for eight years. The, uh, there's a term for that. I can't think of what it is. If Brittany's in here, she can tell me. But muscle atrophy, right? There you go. <laughs> I know things. All right. So his, his muscles are probably all atrophy, but immediately, boom, and his, all his muscles are working. He stands up. That's God-exclusive activity, right? Only the Holy Spirit can do that, Okay. As, as we abide, God is going to do the multiplication, right? This multiplication happens because the people that God has placed in our lives are going to see the evidence of who God really is as we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, just like Peter did. Peter was where God called him to be, said the things God told him to do, and as a result, this man is healed, okay? Look, I, I want you to, to, to hear something from me today. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. The Holy Spirit is going to be the one that does the multiplication, okay? It's not going to be us. He's already doing it, okay? We've got some stuff happening in Natchitoches again. We've got the, the, home, the home church in Ruston. Some things are happening there. Glenn shared with us last week about the things that God's doing in Honduras, which he'll probably share more about this next week, but he had a couple come to him last week as he was sharing this story of what God was doing and said, hey, we want to commit to doing $200 a month towards this pastor in Honduras. That's, that's because Glenn shared his story. Glenn shared the experience that he had in Honduras, the things that the Holy Spirit was moving and saying, and people want to be a part of that. They naturally, when they hear what God's doing and the Holy Spirit speaks to them, man, they want to jump on board, okay? We're not out there trying to make something happen. Glenn didn't go to Honduras with the intention of, we're going to take over this man's ministry and he's going to become a TGP church. That was not the goal. The goal was God said go, and so... Glenn and Aaron and Ashley and, was it Chris? And Olivia went because God said go. And then when they got there, they got to experience what the Holy Spirit was doing because they obeyed and they get to see some, some, some God-exclusive activity, okay? When I was with my coworker on the way to Ruston, I could have forced a conversation. We could have gotten in the truck, I locked the door, start driving, and be like, all right, listen up, let me tell you about Jesus, okay? But that wouldn't have worked, I could have said a lot of stuff, but she, boom, her guard would have been up, right? God's not asking us to go out there and make something happen, okay? I'd have had a captive audience, literally. She'd have been captive in my truck, right? But that's not what God wants to do through us, all right? Let's be honest, right? Look around. There's nothing flashy about TGP West, right? Okay? The only draw we have here is the Holy Spirit, and that's by design. Because when, when people come to our church, we, what we want to draw them is not how amazing the band is. It is. We don't want it to be how amazing the building looks because it's not. We want it to be that they experience God here. And that's what draws them in. Okay? We're, we make an effort when people, and y'all have heard Glenn say this before, and it always kind of is funny when he says it or when I say it. But we tell people all the time, if God's called you to be here, be here. If he hasn't called you to be here, go somewhere else. Okay, as we're talking about multiplication, I want you to keep that in your mind, because as God multiplies us, we're not talking about just drawing in a bunch of people. We're not going to send you guys home with some flyers and a three-point plan on how to get your friends to come to church next Sunday. Okay, that's not who we are, and it's not what we do. And, and I'll tell you guys, it's not because we're not capable. Okay, there is so much talent in this room right now. We could put on an event that could blow people's minds. 
okay? We got Mike Upshaw who does sound and lighting for a living, okay? We got Ben who, he's Ben. Just, I mean, I'm not going to say anything else about that, all right? We have got some amazing talent in this building, but that's not who God has called us to be. This is who God has called us to be. And that's what we want to be the draw. So as we're talking about multiplication, I want you guys to keep in mind that this is not a program. When I was in youth ministry, a, a guy that was mentoring me was telling me about they did a program one time called A Way Off. And they challenged their teenagers to see how much weight they could bring in to the church. And by weight, he meant people. So they'd gather up all their visitors and they'd weigh them one at a time. And whoever had the most weight at the event <laughs> won a prize. No. That's not, it was teenagers, you can get away with that, all right? That, that's not what we're talking about. When we talk about multiplication, we're talking about, I know, right? The more you think about it, the stupider it gets. What, we're, what we are trying to accomplish is just following the Holy Spirit and letting God do what he does through us, okay? We want to obey God and we want God's gospel to be spread as he's doing it, okay? He knows who's ready to receive it. He knows when, when he's been working somebody's heart and they're ripe for harvest. And he knows when they're not. And when we put pressure on ourselves, if you feel pressure from the church to go out and try to make something happen, it actually drives a wedge between that person and the gospel because they're not ready yet. That's a whole different way of, of thinking about evangelism for me and for, for probably any Southern Baptist because that's not the way we were taught. You go out and you hand out your flyers or your tracts and by golly, you bring some people to Jesus and get them baptized. That's not what God's calling us to do. That's not what I see when I look at the Gospels as Peter is, is going about what God's calling him to do. He's just being an instrument. Okay, Verse 35, And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Those people turned to the Lord because of what they saw through the Holy Spirit, acting through Peter. Okay, This is what we're going for. We want people to be brought into the church. We want the church to multiply as a result of them seeing the truth about who God is as the Holy Spirit works through your life and through mine. Okay? Peter obeyed God, said only what God said to say. The church grew because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Look, we see some examples. One that pops in my mind immediately is when Moses is leading the Israelites in, in um, the desert and they're looking for water and God points to the rock and tells him to go tap the rock. And Moses makes a big production out of it. He slaps the rock with the stick. And you remember Moses got punished for that? Because that made it about Moses and not about God's provision. God wants us to obey him, to follow him. And God needs the glory. We don't need it. You might think you want it, but you don't, okay? You don't want the focus on you, okay? The church grew because of the God-exclusive activity. The church grew because Peter obeyed. The church didn't grow because Peter was a great orator. The church didn't grow because he put on a fancy show about it. The church didn't grow because he prayed out loud. The church grew because people saw the Holy Spirit. Our church is going to grow because people see the Holy Spirit working in your life. And you're going to share those stories as the Holy Spirit leads. Okay? Peter was simply a tool. Okay? I know this is the part where Maddie's going to wait for me to tell you guys that you need to be a tool, but I'm not going to do it, Maddie. Okay? God wants to use us. He wants to be a part of our lives, he wants us to just obey him and then let people see who he is, okay? Before you let the enemy convince you in your heart that you're not able to do this, let me stop him, okay? I want to remind you again of Peter's history. Peter was overzealous. We've been there. 
Peter was proud. We've been there. Peter was abrasive. We've been there. Peter cut a dude's ear off. We've not been there. Okay? Challenge accepted. Who said that? <laughs> of course, how would. Bill, I'm going to need you to do something with your son. Peter's past was riddled with failure and embarrassment. You look, at, you look back at the story, and I really identify a lot with Peter because I'm a screw-up, y'all. And Peter was too, and that's who God used to spread the gospel in this particular town, okay? Peter just healed a guy through the power of the Holy Spirit. This guy who made all these bad mistakes, God loved him, he forgave him, and he used him, and he healed a dude. God can do that through you, okay? So be on guard. Don't let the enemy cut you down before you even get started. Just like you are. If you are trying, making an attempt to abide in the Holy Spirit, that's all you need. That's all you need, okay? Let's look at one more story together. Um, also, a side note, you're going you're gonna to see this pattern a lot over the next few weeks as we talk about Peter, okay? Peter's going to obey. God's going to move. People are going to come to know him by experience. It's just, that's coming, okay? You're going to hear that a lot. It's not because we don't have anything better to say. It's because that's what's happening, and God wants us to see that. All right, so picking up in verse 36. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas or gazelle, okay? I don't know why they, they say that a lot. They translate Tabitha to Dorcas like that's better. I don't know. Tabitha is beautiful. Dorcas, well, she was full of good works and acts of charity, in those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples, uh, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, he took them to the upper room. All the, windows or the widows stood beside him weeping and showing the tunics and other garments that Tabitha had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And he turned to the body and he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when he saw, she saw Peter, she sat up and gave him his hand and he raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all of Joppa. And then they believed in the Lord. Okay. Here again, we see that point that John MacArthur was making. Peter was actively pursuing the Holy Spirit he was in the place where God needed to be at the right time, and he, and he did what God called him to do, okay? Peter had begun to develop a reputation, particularly in this region because these two towns are not far from each other. And because of what the Holy Spirit had done with Aeneas and healed him, and people shared that story, now we see that this has traveled to the neighboring town. And when this lady that is beloved by our community dies, light bulb comes on. Dude, Peter's right over here. He just did, like, God's in this dude. Let's go get him, okay? So they send two guys, and they run and go get him, all right? The fact that, they, that she had not been fully prepared for burial shows the faith that these people had and the hope that they had that the Holy Spirit would do in their lives what he had just done in Aeneas' life. They washed the body, which was ceremonial. That was part of the deal, but then they stopped right there. They didn't finish the rest of that preparation. And part of that washing, they would do that with warm water. And part of that was as if the person was just unconscious, that warm water would, would revive them, and they would come back, and then they'd know, you know, before they started doing the rest, that, that whether or not the body was alive or not. So they did that process. They realized that she's not alive, and they sinned for Peter, okay? And, and I want to point out, too, that that as with Aeneas, God is more concerned with the gospel 
proclamation than he is with the welfare of the individual. Okay? Luke explains that the fame of the incident spread all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. The, the purpose of these healings and this resurrection is not for Ananias and Tabitha. The purpose of these two miracles is for the growth and the multiplication of the church. The, the, what we take from that, the application for you and I is, is that as the Holy Spirit works in your life, the purpose of that is not just for you. You are a very small part of that purpose. Yes, God wants to take care of you. Yes, God wants you to see his exclusive activity. But even more than that, God wants the people around you to see the exclusive activity that's working in your life. That's what this is about. I want, to notice, I want you to notice the progression of the events in this story. Tap the dies. They wash your body. Okay, we talked about that was part of the custom. Okay, they hear that of Peter's nearness because of the fact that people were sharing the story of what they had seen God do. Okay, hint, hint, stories are important. If you haven't got that part already, there it is again. Okay, we may never know the full extent of our stories. As we share what God's doing in our life in our life group or in, with people that we do community with, we may never even realize the extent of that. Because you know what happens when you tell a really cool story about something that God did? Somebody else shares that story. Because how can you not? Everybody loves a good story. Okay? We may never, you, you sharing your, your stories in life group or in church, it, it's probably not just for that group. It's going to have further reaches than that that you may, may never even know about. Okay? So Peter comes as requested. Okay? Now, I want you to consider for a side note what Peter might have been thinking. Because when the two men go and get him, they don't tell him what they need him for. They just say, we need you to come quickly, okay? Peter comes into the room, and there's a woman who is being prepared for burial, okay? So he pushes everybody out of the room, again, because it's not about them. It's not about making a show, okay? The only people left in the room were possibly elders from the church or some, some close family. But everybody else, he asks them to leave, and he prays. That's significant. It's significant that this story tells us to pray because Peter didn't realize what was going on until he got there. And so he said, hold up, time out. I got to talk to my God real quick. Okay. He kneels down and he prays. And I know what he's thinking. He's thinking, uh, gosh, she dead. Uh, <laughs> what do you want me to do with this? All right. Obviously, God tells him what to do. And then he turns around. He obeys. He says what God says to do. Tapta comes to, comes to life. Okay. Anybody else see the big glaring abiding cycle in that story? Peter goes as the Holy Spirit leads. He prays and says, God, what do I do? God gives him a command. He follows it. God exclusive activity. Obviously, somebody being raised from the dead. And as a result of that, people share the story all over town. Peter gets a new story. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does because he was obeying. Okay? One of the commentaries that I was, I was reading is... It says that this section, it entitled it, Peter was available. One of the things that I'm real bad about is overscheduling myself. I know that I'm not alone in that, okay? The only reason that this was able to happen is because Peter made himself available. He was still in, the, in, in Joppa. He was still doing his thing over there. He hadn't left yet because God was still working, but someone came and said, we need you right now. He changed his schedule, and he made himself available. For you and I, that may mean that we just don't schedule as much. Or it may mean that you're willing to change that schedule as the Holy Spirit calls you to go and be a part of something that you say, hey, I know I had plans, but I need to go take care of this thing that God's called me to.
okay? Peter, I want to point out, does all this activity in private. There, there may have been leaders or local church there, okay, but his goal was not to make a show. His goal um, was God's will. His goal was to, to follow the Holy Spirit and do exactly what he said, okay? The purpose in all of this is for God to be made known. We're not looking for people to look at us and go, wow, God's done some stuff there. Look how spiritual they are. That's not God's goal and it's not ours. The goal of all of this is for people to see God for who he really is. We've talked about that so much. That's what our town needs. That's what our communities need. That's what our nation needs is for people to get a real taste of who God is because his people are obeying what he says. And then God gets to do what God can do. He's not going to force himself upon us. Okay? As we're obeying God, it's not going to be glamorous. A lot of times it's going to be hard work in the trenches. But, again, the goal is not for people to look at us and say, wow, look how hard they work. It's about us pointing to God. Okay? The last little nugget here in this, at the end of this, this section of verses, which, honestly, I skipped over it a couple of times whenever I was preparing for this, um, is verse 43. And it said, And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. This, this verse perfectly illustrates my, my previous point. Tabitha was wealthy. And, and it would have been normal, customary for her to invite Peter in and stay with him as long as he needed to be there. I mean, she just, he just resurrected her, right? It's the least she can do, put him up for a couple of days. But, but Peter understood and he knew that if he did that, people would look at him and say, well, he just did that for personal gain. He went and raised her from the dead so he could have a nice place to stay for a little while. So God's doing two things. Number one, he is keeping Peter aware of what's going on in the culture around him. But number two, God sends him to a tanner. Now, for us, that doesn't mean anything, but a tanner is a person who tans hides. They take the hide off of a dead animal, put all the stuff in it, becomes leather. They use leather for stuff, okay? In the Jewish culture, because they were working with dead animals, that was considered unclean. They were the lowest of the low in the Jewish society because they were constantly clean. They couldn't get ceremonially uh, unclean because that's what they did for a living. And that's where God sends Peter, is to stay with the tanner. Okay? If, if Peter had stayed with Tabitha it, would have just, Tabitha, it would have destroyed the beauty of what God was trying to accomplish there. It would have been comfortable, it would have been nice, but it would, have, it, would have, it would have put a roadblock in a lot of people's eyes. They wouldn't have been able to see what God was doing because they'd have been so focused on what Peter was doing. Okay? God, as he sends him to, to the tanner's house, to Simon's house, he's, he's busting through cultural barriers. He's asking Peter to do something that's way outside of their cultural norm. And the same is going to be true in our lives. As we follow the Holy Spirit, God's going to lead us to places that culturally may not be okay. When those things happen, obey the Holy Spirit. If you're not sure, go ask somebody. We've got life group leaders, we've got elders, whoever. Go ask somebody. There's been times in my life where God tells me to do something. I'm like, eh, I think I probably misheard that. Go ask somebody, Okay. If you go ask Glenn, if you go ask one of the elders, we're not going to tell you what to do. We've said this a lot. We're going to, we are going to pray with you, and we're going to help you discern what God is saying, but we're not going to give you uh, a, a yep, do it, or no, don't do it. Okay? As, as, as we are going through life, as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, God's going to bring us to some uncomfortable places, but that's good. It's healthy for us. Okay? The good news is, is that God's not going to just drop that stuff on you. 
You know, I was thinking about this this week. As Peter went through these two experiences, the first one was just healing somebody, and the second one was raising somebody from the dead. And I was reminded of, we've talked about Moses already today, but Glenn is um, in the abiding cycle. He talks about, in the book, he talks about how God progressively gives us challenges that are a little harder and a little harder and a little harder to build our faith. With Moses, when God told him to go to Pharaoh, you've heard this story. Moses says, I can't speak. He's holding a stick. God said, throw the stick down. Pretty easy task. Throws the stick down, turns into a snake. God exclusive activity. Okay? And then he tells him to pick the stick up. That's a little harder. Let me pick the snake up. That's a little harder than throwing a stick down. God progressively is going to grow you to a place where you are able to step out in faith because of the past experiences that you have with him in order to do the things that he's calling you to do. I want you guys to understand that as God is calling us to, to multiply our church, he's not looking for you to pull something out of yourself to make us bigger than we are. All he's asking you to do is to just obey, to abide, okay? I'm, I'm echoing a little bit of my, the last time I preached, but again, it's, it's not about us. It's not about what we are able to accomplish in our own power, okay? The Holy Spirit can literally accomplish anything he wants to through us if we will allow him to do so. But we have to get out of the way and we have to abide. I... I, I put this quote up there, and Anna, you can pop it up. This is out of a commentary to Acts of the Apostles, and it's just, I highlighted this as soon as I read it, but it says, we think too much of what we can do and too little of what Christ can do through us. Our multiplication is going to be the result of the Holy Spirit working in us, not as a result of us doing something great. Great things will happen, but it's going to be through the power of the Holy Spirit, not through us. So as we, as we talk about multiplication, please don't get nervous, okay? We're doing life like we've always done it. We're going to abide, we're going to obey, we're going to see God do what God does. But as a result of that, the church is going to multiply. I don't know what that means. That may mean these chairs are fuller. It may mean we start more churches. I'm game for whatever. And I know you guys are too. But God's moving us in a new direction. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see what he's going to do in your life. So be sure and share those stories with your life groups, okay? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much uh, just for, for working with me this week, God, and giving me strength when I felt like a failure. God, it is, it is my, my hope, my desire, my prayer that we will learn to, to walk with you and to follow you and to abide in you. Um, God, I know that you have incredible plans and things that you want to accomplish through this body, but the only way that's going to happen is if we learn to, to walk with you moment by moment, day by day. God, give us the strength. Give us the, the wherewithal to pay attention during our days. When life is distracting, to be reminded that we are to be in your presence constantly. Father, keep the enemy at bay as we go through this week. Lord, I ask that you would help us to just focus in on you, to, to push distractions aside, and to just be in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.